Hi, I'm Maddie. And I'm David. And you're listening to Legend Logic. episode one of the failed assassination attempts our third series third topic super exciting very excited to be here as it stands right now i still have not selected my episode topic (laughs) she's a little behind on research for this one it's fine it's fine we're gonna get there it's gonna be great but we are starting with you today Mm -hmm. i was very excited for this topic Mm mm-hmm It relates to things I've always been interested in, so. For anyone that doesn't know, David actually studied, what, counterterrorism? Yeah, it was justice and law with a concentration in terrorism and security studies. So you're well-versed in assassination attempts? Uh, Maybe not that specifically, but in terrorism as a subject and in many things international relations and politics related. All right, well, I'm excited to hear it. Are you ready? Yes. Let's go. So this was the failed assassination attempt of Khaled Mashal. This happened in the environment of a relatively complicated political situation. Complicated then and complicated now. And there are a lot of various players involved. And so we're going to start by going over some definitions and people. Because I feel like a lot of people won't know everything involved and I feel like you probably won't so definitely won't yeah so we'll go over some of the players first first of all the countries that are involved or entities we have Israel Palestine which is tricky to define because it's not a country officially recognized by the U.S. but the U.S. does recognize the PLO or the Palestinian Liberation Organization as a representative of the Palestinian people but not of the location Right. So in terms of land, they claim the West Bank and the Gaza Strip as their territory, but so does Israel. Right. So it's all very complicated. The third one is Jordan, which is the country that borders Israel and the West Bank. And it's an Arab country that has a treaty with Israel, but also has sympathies for Palestine. And then in terms of groups, we have Hamas, which is a Palestinian political party and militant movement with a military wing. So it's political and military, so that's also complicated to define too. So that's Hamas. And then we have Mossad, which is the Israeli intelligence institution. So the Israeli CIA, basically. And then we have the Jordanian government, which is self-explanatory. I don't think I need to go into too much more detail with that. In terms of the leaders of the different groups, which I'll reference, we have Netanyahu, which is the conservative prime minister of Israel. He was in his first term as prime minister then, and he actually just was re-elected in 2022. So he's actually the current prime minister of Israel as well. And then we have Mashal, who at the time was the Jordanian branch chief of Hamas. And then we have King Hussein, who was the king of Jordan. at the Okay, and then I'll go, I'll just briefly mention what the political situation is. So at the time, there were a number of suicide bombings happening in Jerusalem, which is the capital of Israel. And these were attributed to Hamas. And these suicide bombings had obviously claimed the lives of some Israeli citizens. And then we also have an Israel-Jordan treaty. So three years prior to this assassination attempt, 
King Hussein had entered into a treaty with Israel that was not popular among the Jordanian people or the Arab world, essentially, in general. Okay, so now on to the actual attempt. Now, there are various accounts of this attempt, and I believe this is at least partially due to political bias. So if you look at accounts from, like, an Israeli source versus, like, an Arab source or, like, an, a U.S. source, like, it all, like, varies a little bit. And, again, probably due to some political bias, especially when it comes to, like, an Israeli source or an Arab source. So it's funny, I found an article in Vanity Fair about this, and it was honestly the first source I found which seemed to shed light on some of the confusion that I was finding between, because I looked at Arab sources and Israeli sources first. And Vanity Fair seemed to be the least biased, which I feel like is interesting. <laughs> so as a response to the suicide bombings, which I mentioned earlier, Netanyahu requested a list of Hamas operatives to target as a response. And he chose Mashal, despite recommendations from intelligence, to go after a more high-profile target. So Mashal already wasn't very high in Hamas's, like, rank and order at the time but Netanyahu chose him anyway which I thought was sort of interesting. Given the political situation after the treaty was signed the Israeli prime minister before Netanyahu who actually signed the treaty had prohibited Mossad from operating in Jordan at all. So as a result all of the intelligence as it related to this situation had to be gathered from scratch because there was no ongoing intelligence operations already happening in Jordan by the Israeli people. Because of this political situation, Netanyahu wanted the operation to be done as quietly as possible. So it couldn't be like, you know, your normal sniper, like, takes out the leader type of thing. Because they wanted it to happen in a way that maybe people don't even know that he was assassinated. But then what's the point of making that statement of assassinating somebody if you don't want people to know that he's being assassinated? Well, because probably behind closed doors or something, maybe Hamas would know that it was a retaliation thing but like on a larger worldwide political spectrum knowing that israel was behind it probably wasn't the greatest thing at least they wanted it to happen as quietly and as quickly as possible they didn't want anything to be able to trace back to israel so the plan involved six Mossad agents arriving in jordan a week before the attempt two agents would position themselves outside of mashal's office as he arrived for work that day one agent was supposed to cause a commotion by opening a pre-shaken can of soda amazing yeah do we know the type of soda no okay. <laughs> during the commotion another agent was supposed to walk by from the other direction and use a special device to spray Mashal in the ear with a slow-acting lethal toxin. What? Yeah, so it was like an aerated, like, spray. He was supposed to spray it at his ear. And I, I don't think it, like, actually went in through the ear. Like, it went in, like, through the skin, I think was the goal. But... <laughs> I'm just like, this is... I know, what are already your thoughts on this plan? I'm already done. <laughs> so the plan was for Mashal to go about the rest of his day, begin feeling tired at some point, take a nap, and then die in his sleep. So when this event actually takes place, he's not even supposed to know that anything happened to him to cause any kind of ill effect. And the toxin was a derivative of fentanyl. They anticipated that it would dissipate so quickly that it wouldn't show up on the autopsy that would happen later. Interesting. And this is where different accounts start to go off the rails in terms of how things went wrong with this plan. <laughs> 
Okay. One I read, and this is the one I read that got me interested in this one in the first place, because this one said that the administration of the actual toxin went well, but that Mashal's chauffeur saw what had happened and began hitting the agent who administered the poison with a newspaper before a bodyguard then chased down the two agents as they got to their car. So, (laughs) the mental image of a chauffeur beating this, you know, secret agent over the head with a newspaper over and over again is just hilarious to me. Another account that I read said that the agents were unaware that Mashal's children were actually in the car that dropped him off for work that day. And so he was walking from his car into like the compound where his office was. And as the agents approached him, his daughter happened to open the car door, which caused Mashal to turn around and face the car. This caused the agent to fumble with the soda can and it failed to open. So without the distraction of the soda can, Mashal noticed when the toxin was sprayed in his ear and he ran towards the car while his bodyguard pursued the agents and captured them. I'm just imagining this agent with a soda can and he has on like six inch acrylic nails and he's like, I can't get it open. <laughs> that's, that's an amazing one. Oh gosh. Whatever account you read, people knew that this had taken place, that he was administered this toxin, and the people who tried to carry it out were captured by his bodyguards. And so now we'll talk about the insanely complicated political fallout of this. So once the agents were captured, Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, was forced to admit the plan to King Hussein of Jordan. King Hussein was absolutely furious given the situation and the fact that he and Netanyahu already didn't have a great relationship. Like they well, already they have didn't a really treaty. Like... So like right. if you do something that makes you look bad, you make everybody who's in alliance with you look right, bad. Right, exactly. Yeah, so they already didn't have a good relationship and as you said Netanyahu having this like cloak and dagger operation happening on Jordanian soil was like not a good look. But the poison had already been administered and within hours Mashal was gravely ill. He was like on his deathbed. Hussein warned that if Mashal died that he would hang the Mossad agents who they captured as part of the operation. Hussein then called in President Bill Clinton to apply pressure. Stop it. Yeah. Netanyahu, as a result of this pressure, who was forced to provide the antidote and release a number of high-profile Palestinian prisoners from Israeli prisons. You know, because of this whole situation, it was incredibly embarrassing for Netanyahu. You know, instead of having it go his way, it was incredibly embarrassing for him to not only have to administer the antidote, but then also release all these really high-profile prisoners that they obviously didn't want to release. Mm -hmm. And Mashal then went on to become a significant leader of Hamas. And the whole situation is remembered as a really embarrassing situation for Israel and Netanyahu in general. So you could say that, like, Mashal's career took off because somebody tried to kill him? Yeah, so I actually read he became known as the man who wouldn't die by Hamas, both due to surviving this assassination attempt, while also he actually rose to the level that he did in Hamas because there were two people ahead of him in the chain of command who were assassinated. And so Uh, he rose to that level and he survived. It didn't end up going well for Israel in general because one of the reasons why Netanyahu chose him back then is because he thought that he had the potential to rise to, you know, leadership, even though he wasn't necessarily super high profile at the time. And he actually ended up being correct. So one of the reasons I chose this story 
is because, and I'm not going to share the whole story on here, but as you know, I have had my brushes with actual intelligence agents mm-hmm. from time to time. Yeah, we're not telling that story on the podcast. No, we're not. So we're sorry. absolutely. I, I imagine... The CIA those... is not coming to my house. <laughs> I imagine those agents that I met would not be thrilled with me telling that story live on a podcast. Probably not. But... The thing about people in the intelligence field, at least from my personal experience, is that they tend to be very serious the vast majority of the time, which is understandable because these nature of the work is very serious. If you're in a certain area of intelligence, if you go to work and you make a mistake, like people could potentially die or get Mm -hmm. seriously hurt. So it makes sense that they're very serious. But the mental image that I had of a bunch of these intelligence people sitting in a room. Okay, dude, you got the soda can. Yeah. Uh, I have the spray bottle. All right, break. Like, yeah, Yeah. that's terrible. Coming up with this plan and then them all being like, yeah, this is a great idea. Let's do this is hysterical to me. But I will say that on the other side of things, I think about what happened in the movie Argo. Do you remember? We watched this. Yeah, it's been a while, but yeah. Yeah, like that was probably a ridiculous sounding plan at the time too, for them to try to extract these hostages all while pretending to be there scouting for a a film. These two sides to it. But still, when I was reading about this plan, I was like, there are so many things that could go wrong. There's so many, like, factors that could mess things up. The fact that they had to do it all from scratch and everything, it just, the whole thing seemed very ill-prepared. I'm just imagining this guy, like, um, the week before the assassination attempt, instead of going to the gym, he just goes to the cafeteria every morning and just, yeah, just like, opens up everybody's sodas. So I guess my question for you is like, what do you think? Do you think it was a terrible idea? I'm always going to think assassinations are a terrible idea. Just low key. Unless it's maybe Hitler. Or Or Stalin. I I was going to say, I I don't want to go into this too much because because maybe you're going to talk about it on, on the podcast or whatever. But the U.S. tried to assassinate Fidel Castro like... Multiple times. How many times and potentially... Castro obviously did a lot of bad things, so who knows what would have happened if we had ever been successful. Okay. I think that it was a dumb plan in general. I feel like it was just a bad plan because, I mean, first of all, you selected a target who was not that high up in the Hamas food chain anyway. And then I feel like there must have been opportunities to carry out assassinations against Hamas operatives who were not in Jordan. Like, you could have just done it not in Jordan. Mm-hmm. And it would have made the whole political situation much less complicated. I feel like there's also way better ways of poisoning somebody than spraying them in the ear. Yeah. Practicalities of the plan were just really ridiculous to me. This feels like a plan created by people who had like no money and no resources to do anything else. Yeah. Like all they could afford was a spray bottle and a can of soda. It feels almost like the dollar store brand mm-hmm. assassination. From what I understand about intelligence operations in general and what happened in this situation is that the Prime Minister of Israel okayed this operation to happen. And then the intelligence community was forced to come up with a plan to execute it. And they probably didn't have as much intelligence information as they needed and maybe they had to do it pretty quickly as well. So if I'm going to put the blame on everybody, it's the leadership that okayed the plan rather than the people who executed it. Yeah, I would definitely blame whatever leader was like, yes, take this can of Coke and 
go do this plan. Yeah. Well, fun. Wonderfully planned, wonderfully executed, all that stuff. I mean, I mean, our podcast, not not the, the right. assassination attempt. Of yeah. course, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you can follow our podcast on Instagram at Legend Logic Podcast, or you can send us an email at legendlogicpodcast at gmail.com. We hope you keep listening. We're excited for the next one. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for what, you know, story you're going to pick. Yeah, I wonder what that is. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye! <laughs>